Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is May 21st, and our chapter for today is Job chapter 2. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Now remember, Satan has already done his dirty work. He has been out ravaging the life and family of godly Job. He has blown away everything that Job owned. He has lost everything. He has lost his family. He has lost his children, his grandchildren. Now, we glibly read over that most of the time, but just stop and put yourself in the place of Job. You have been blessed by God. You have been as a family together over and over and over again. You're having, as a Jewish person, Shabbat meals every Shabbat Eve. You are at worship together. You are sacrificing together. You are seeing the blessing of God together. As a follower of Jesus, you're having every day Sunday lunch or dinner at mom's house, and your children are all there around you, and you're watching them play. You're watching your sons and daughter intermingle and have their times together, and all is good. And the businesses are prospering. Lambs are being born every year. New calves are coming in just at the right season. Donkeys, so many you cannot count. Oxen, beyond anything that anyone around you could ever experience. And life is good. And all of a sudden, you lose everything within a week's period, within a day's time, everything that you've seen, you've loved, you've blessed, you have seen it go right out from under you. No wonder Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell to the ground and worshiped and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Notice the personal name of Almighty God, the Creator, the Covenant God, the Redeemer God. And he has blessed, and now he's taken away. Job said, I came into this world with nothing, a naked man, and I will leave that way. Blessed be the name of the Lord, because he gave to me. He let me experience what I did. I grew to love these people, and I grew to love my children and grandchildren and their children, and now it's all taken away. And all I can do is bless the name of the Lord, because he is sovereign. He certainly allowed this to happen. He could have stopped it. But he didn't. Don't we often wonder why God doesn't stop things? Why does God allow it seems as though evil is going to triumph? Why does God allow that? Why do good things happen and then all of a sudden everything goes bad? And I've always been asked the question, ever since I have answered the call of God to preach, people in my congregation have said, Pastor, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Well, I've got a better question. 
Good people are one thing as far as relative goodness, but none of us are good. But my question is, why does God allow the most godly, the most like him to suffer? That would have been Job's plight. Job was the godliest man on earth at the time. Seemingly, there was none like him in all the earth. That's what the Lord said. So he was attacked, brutally attacked, and God allowed it. Well, again, these are the great imponderables of God. But as we read through the entire Bible, we come to understand that God takes all things. God takes all things. And he works those together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You see, God has a purpose for our lives, and it's not to accumulate wealth. If he allows us to accumulate wealth, it's not so we can boast and brag and get more things for ourselves. It's so that we can use the wealth and the blessings that God has given us to turn around and bless someone else. Have you ever wondered why it seems like that the most godly are the ones that lose the most? But God is in control. He is ultimately in control. And Job understood this like very few men in the annals of history. And so God is saying to Job, Job, trust me. We don't read where he says that in these opening chapters, but we know that he had a relationship with God. He sacrificed for his family. He was a godly man. He walked with God. And here he was, it seems, being punished. Now, if this was in our day and in modern-day Christianity in most circles, not the godliest, but in the circles where most walk, you would have people speculating as to why Job lost everything. It was some kind of secret sin. It was something that he had in his heart. It was something he was doing that no one else was doing. Well, I've got good news for you. You're not alone. Because if you are having things said about you like that, welcome to Job's world. All you have to do is read through the next 30 some odd chapters and you will see that with friends like Job's, who needs enemies? Because they came down on Job very hard. It seemed like they were going to be sympathetic and consoling. And then when Job wouldn't fess up, then all of a sudden they had to let him know that only bad things happens to people who the hand of God is upon for a curse or discipline. Folks, let me tell you, that's just not Bible. There's going to be cruel things, bad things, hard things that are going to happen to the most godly. And only God can give grace, but he will give grace, but he doesn't give us grace thinking about things. Have you ever noticed that? The scripture says in the book of Hebrews that we do not have a high priest that is out there and cannot be touched with the feeling of our weaknesses and our infirmities, our own sorrows, but God gives grace in the time of need. He suffers along with us. He sees this, and he gives us grace in the time of need, not in the time of hypothetical thinking. Well, I don't know what I would do if this happened. I don't know what I would do if that happened. Well, you don't have the luxury of having grace for hypothetical situations because most of what we think about that bad could happen to us never happens to 
us. And so we don't need to dwell on that. God's not going to give us grace for worrying about something that's not going to happen. God gives us grace in the time of need. Just when we need his grace, God is there. And so Job blessed God. His wife just couldn't get hold of that because she knew more than Job. She knew better than Job. And so here we have in chapter 2, after the calamities, again, the sons of God came in, and this time Satan presented himself before the Lord, and the Lord said to Satan, from where did you come? Now, let me just tell you, God knew what he had been doing, just like he knew where Adam was. You see, when God asks a question, it's on purpose. God already knows the answer, and he's getting our attention. He's getting someone's attention, and this is exactly what he did with Adam. Adam, where are you? God wasn't playing hide-and-go-seek with Adam. He knew exactly where Adam was, but he asked the question so Adam would know where he was. This is the same here with Satan. In other words, God did not suddenly lose track of Satan. He knows where he is all the time because he is God. Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro throughout all the earth, walking back and forth on it. And then the Lord said, well, you've set your sights on Job. There's none like him in all the earth. Now, one who fears God and shuns evil. He had said that to him before, and Satan used everything he had at his disposal. So Satan answered the Lord and said, well, skin for skin. Notice the exclamation point. He's shouting in the face of God and says, well, it's just skin for skin. Yes, a man has all these possessions and you can take those away, but you start threatening his life. You start taking his health away, and then you will really see that he will curse you. But he said, you stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. You see, that's Satan's heart. That's what he would do. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand, but there's limits. Again, we come to limits. Satan is on a string. Satan is on a leash. He cannot do what he wants to do without the permission of Almighty God. Just remember that. We all must remember that. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, and he struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his feet to the crown of his head. Have you ever had a boil on you? Have you ever had a pimple that has gotten infected, and it dominates you? I mean, if it's on your nose, if it's near your eye, if it's on your lip, if you have a cold or whatever, they hurt, and you can't hardly think because of it. Well, just think of them. On the sole of your feet, on the sole of your feet, that's what it says. On the bottoms of your feet, you can't even walk. You just have to sit around. And he's hurting all over from head to toe. And Satan said, you do this to him and he'll curse you. So Satan did this. Job was hurting so bad and so irritated and itchy. Think about this. It's like the worst case of poison ivy and poison oak and poison allergic reaction. Everything you can imagine all rolled up in one. And it says that he took a potsherd and began to scratch himself. In other words, he took broken clay pots where they would have a a little edge that he could get in between those sores and around him, and he would just help those to 
alleviate the itching by just getting around it because his hands had sores all over them. So he was scraping himself and he was sitting in ashes. And his wife observed this over and over. And finally, she said, why don't you just curse God and die? You keep on being this man of integrity. You're going to honor God with everything. Can you believe it? Now the wife has turned against And I can tell you, any man, any woman that's out there, you can take almost anything but your wife or your husband just continually like a dripping, nagging, 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 nagging. I'm telling you, it's worse than any sore there ever was. It's worse than anything. God said uh, that kind of relationship is like a continual dripping. I mean, it's like a Chinese water torture. It's just incredible. But he said to her, you speak as one who is a fool. You're acting foolishly. You're speaking foolishly. Get a hold of yourself. Shall we indeed accept the good from God and not accept the adversity? Whoa, what a question. Read that again. He said, you speak as someone foolish. Shall we indeed accept the good from God and shall we not accept the hard times? Don't we take the good times and say, oh, this is great. This is the way it should be. And we praise God for that. Well, who's in control of that? God is. And then something bad happens. And all of a sudden, well, God's out of control. What's going on? The devil is. No, listen, God's still in control. I remember Leo Edelman, as he told the story one day to me, we were talking about when people as a pastor come to you and they're angry with God, they're mad at God. And he was trying to help me to work through a problem in my first church. He was at our home in Oklahoma at the time, these wonderful people. Oh, I love the people of Haywood, Oklahoma. How generous and gracious and kind they were to me. I didn't always think that, but now as I look back, oh my goodness, what a great people. And those people are still some of my dearest friends to this day. I could start naming people, but I would leave someone out. Those sweet people in Haywood, Oklahoma, what a blessing they were. It was the back gate of the Army Depot that had its front gate in Savannah. In other words, it was in the middle of nowhere, it seemed, but there was a community there of loving people, and they asked me to come and be their pastor. And there were a couple of people that were angry at God, and they had come to me. So when Dr. Edelman was there writing his last book, By Life or By Death, a verse-by-verse commentary on the book of Philippians, he was staying in a little bedroom area that we had in the back of the parsonage. And I asked him, I said, how do I help this person? How do I deal with this? And he said, let me tell you a story. He said, in my church in Louisville, Kentucky, when I was there, he said, a woman came in and it was during the Vietnam era, the war, and she had just lost her son and said she was so angry at God and said she came in and she sat across from him as he sat behind his desk, and she pounded her fist on the desk in front of him and said, why, why, why did God allow this to happen? And then started pounding her fist and said, where was God when my son was killed on the battlefield? Where was God when my son was killed on the battlefield? And Dr. Edelman said, by the grace of God, he gently answered her and said, the same place he was when his own son was killed on the battlefield. He was on his throne. He saw it all. He witnessed it all. And out of that came our salvation. And I cannot answer the questions as to why, but it's okay to ask why, because God has the answers. And one day, if you love him, 
then he may show you the answer here on earth, but it may be in paradise one day. I cannot give you the answer, but I do know that God loves you and God has a plan in all of this. And in time, he will work it out. God is still on his throne. My dear beloved, if you're going through a difficult time and you're wondering, where is God? How can a loving God allow this to happen? A loving God didn't make you a robot. God made you to where you can love him and walk with him and choose him. Aren't you glad? And God draws you to himself and he gives you the ability to receive the grace of God or reject the grace of God. And God holds his grace out during a time of affliction a time of hardship, and you can receive that grace and God will comfort and encourage you and strengthen you and give you purpose to go on. Or you can reject the grace of God and fall short of the grace of God. That doesn't mean you're falling from the grace of God and out of his care, but it means that you're failing to receive. You're falling short. You're failing to receive the grace that God gives. Allow God's grace to comfort you and strengthen you. Have you lost everything? Job did too. Have you lost your children, your wife, your husband, your family, your house, your finances, your way of living? Have you lost your health? I don't know what you're going through, but God does. Turn to him. He will comfort you. He will give you purpose. He will give you reason as he has down through the thousands of years that he has been walking with man and bringing him back to himself. God loves you with an everlasting, unflinching love, and he has a plan for your life. He has grace for you. Receive it today in Jesus' name. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.